carriages and the wives in your congregation well. She said, do not apologize for the mention of this word in Scripture. She said, do not apologize for God. Do not bow to feminism. And do not give the women of your church an escape clause. Instead, stand on the word of God and instruct women according to his word. Because here is what women need to hear more than anything else. This incredibly challenging call points to the supremacy of Christ and it points to the created order as God intended. Now, I realize I'm stepping right in it. But you need to understand that in the Word of God and throughout the Word of God, there is an implied structure in marriage. And Paul draws that illustration here. He says that the husband is head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He says it not only here, he says it also in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But what does that mean? What is his intention by that? What I first need to point out and to say to you is that though there is an implied structure in marriage, structure does not equal value. One of the very most important keys to understanding what Paul is saying and what Scripture says about this topic of marriage and this structure is to understand that this structure does not equal value. And let me show you very clearly how this plays out. In the scriptures, in the Godhead, there is Father, Son, and Spirit. Co-eternal, co-equal with one another. Yet, Jesus Christ, the Son, always submits to the Father. You will never see in scripture the Son telling the Father what to do. But the Father always sends the Son. In the same way, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit never tells the Son or the Father what to do, but He always shows deference to the Father and to the Son, for they are the ones who send the Holy Spirit. Structure does not equal value. Actually, in the case of marriage, and this is, this is where it even, we're not covering this today, but if you look into other parts of Scripture, you see in Genesis chapter 2 that it says when God creates woman, he creates a helper for man. And again, this gets twisted and turned by culture and bad experience. Oh, so now you're saying I'm just the help. No, that's not what Scripture is saying at all. This word that God uses to describe the woman as helper in Scripture is actually a word that he uses for himself on more than one occasion in Scripture. This is actually a very uplifting and empowering word if understood within the entire context of Scripture that God has made woman as a helpmate or a helper to the man. What is the Holy Spirit to us? He is the helper. What is the woman to man helper? Now, just think about this in a very practical example. That if I ask my wife for help, who is powerless in the situation to get whatever done that needs to be done? Me. 
Who is actually the one in power in the situation? My wife. So this is in no way in God's economy or the biblical economy a denigrating word for the wife or for the woman to be called helper. It is actually in God's mind, as he wrote the scripture, a very enlightening and a very empowering word because he knew us men need a lot of what, ladies? Help. Yes. We need lots of help. So in God's economy, this is a very empowering word. So you have to understand that when we're looking at Scripture, as Paul was talking about, that that structure does not equal value. Adding to this, I would say there are six things that submission is not if this word is still lodged in your head. It's not agreeing on everything. It does not mean leaving your brain at the altar. It does not mean you do not try to influence your husband. Oh, please, for all that is hopeful in humanity, please try and influence your husband, okay? It, it, it's often has been said, um, and this is not in the Bible, so don't think it is, but it says the man is the head and the wife is the neck and the neck turns the head, okay? So, so, so yes, please use your influence for our good and for the good of mankind as much as you can because God has already told you we need a lot of help. That's why he gave you the title of helper, okay? Because we need a lot of it. Submission is not putting the will of the husband before the will of Christ. Submission does not mean getting all of your spiritual strength from your husband. And submission does not mean living or acting in fear. But what it does mean, ladies, if you decide to get married, and again, nobody in here has to get married. The Apostle Paul actually says, hey, I think it'd be better if you were single because you can mo devote more time to the kingdom. But if you decide that you burn with passion and you just can't help yourself, understand that what you're agreeing to, along with all those other things, in sickness and in health, till death do you part, under the guidelines and according to the word of God, this word submission is you are agreeing to subordinate and put yourself under the headship of God this man so the wise counsel to you is choose wisely as someone who's been married for 15 years and has pastored hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and has counseled probably just as many on the topic of marriage i will tell you the number one mistake that women make is not choosing wisely they settle. They settle. Rather than having incredibly high standards, they settle. Never, ever, 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 ever settle when it comes to marriage. You can settle for a lot of things. Never settle for marriage. You need to have an incredibly high bar in your mind, an incredibly high bar understanding what God's requirements and callings are for a, for a man and what his role is to be. And as being a guy and as being a, um, a guy who only had a younger brother, never grew up, you know, the only mom in the house, but she was overrun by my dad and me and my brother. Um, you know, I, I didn't get this whole thing about girls in, in a lot of ways, and my wife is still fixing a lot of things that I just don't understand 
42 years into life, but now having two daughters um, and, and, and having one who is just an absolute powerhouse, um, it, that, that is my greatest fear. Um, you know, my, my oldest daughter, she has the same name as the church. Her name's Alethea. Her name is Alethea Grace, John 1.14. Jesus is full of truth and grace, so we named her Truth and Grace. Um, she was born with all truth and no grace, okay? So we're, we're, we are praying that when the Holy Spirit enters into her life, that she gets the, and we'll know, oh, grace came in. Oh, so the Holy Spirit's here. We, we can all see this now, because right now she has none. Um, but um, he, here's the thing, like, um, she's really smart, um, she's always right. She's never been wrong about anything, okay? If you have any questions about life direction, go ask my 11-year-old daughter. She will tell you exactly what you need to do, and she won't have to think about it. She already knows, all right? Now, she is an incredibly bright, strong, smart young woman, and I have two great fears. Uh, one great fear is for the boy who actually tries to marry her, okay? Because if he does not have a spine of steel... She will crush him, literally crush him under her own weight of the force of her personality. But the second great fear I have is that she will settle. And that someday some boy's going to come along and, and rather than waiting for someone who is worthy of her love and affection and attention, she's going to settle for someone just because they give her a dose of affection and tension, and they're not really the man that God has called men to be in the Scripture. Because, see, if a man truly loves and adores a woman, then it really should not be an issue for a woman to accept this structure as God has designed it to, to follow a man and allow him to lead. So when we get over to the man side of the, and I know there's probably a lot of questions around this, so this is why I'm not going to go into any more detail about the, the lady side, and you can ask them in, in, the, in, in the session, in the Q&A session after this, because I want to answer your specific questions rather than just drone on and on about this. Um, but, 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 but ladies, just think about this. Think, think about how I am going to describe a man's responsibility in marriage and just ask yourself, would you not willingly want to be a part of a marriage that looks like this and, and, and be married to a guy like this and to follow a husband who loves you like this? And I want to say the thing that often gets missed in this passage is we usually get hung up on the word submission, right? Um, being a pastor in Seattle for 12 years, I did lots of weddings uh, many times among Christian couples, but none of their friends and family were Christians. And they would want me to read this passage. Now, let me just say, as the pastor sending up people you don't know, the first words out of your mouth in the ceremony, wives, submit to your husbands, is not the first thing you want to say to a highly secular crowd in Seattle that uh, thinks this is a bunch of malarkey. So I was always afraid of getting screamed at, yelled at, having tomato thrown at me, or at worst, getting shot while I while I, while, while I perform the ceremony. And, but, but because this word is such a triggering word, since that's popular in culture to say that today, because it triggers a lot of emotions and feelings in people, we, we miss the next part of this. And so, fellas, I want you, like, if you're, okay, if you're, like, still recovering from the defeat yesterday, don't, don't, let, don't let one bad loss 
result in a second bad loss, okay? So that's coach speak, right? So I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention. Fellas, this is for you. And I just want you to ponder just for a moment these words that Paul gives us in Ephesians 5 as your charge and your responsibility in marriage. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Submission may be difficult. But fellas, I just want to tell you, this is the highest and hardest calling in life. Paul has just said to you, your responsibility in marriage is to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So before you think about entering into a relationship and convincing some girl to say, I do, are you sure you are ready to take on this task to strive to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. For that is what you are commanded to do. Now, ladies, this should also be your benchmark. This is the number one question you are asking yourself. Not, is he cute? Not, is he going to provide for me? Not, is he going to give us cute babies or anything else like that? Is he going to provide a nice retirement? No, 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 no. You are asking yourself, first and foremost, will this man love me as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her? And until you see that character in a man, do not ever consider for a moment spending the rest of your life with him. This is what will empower and fuel a happy, healthy marriage more than anything else. Guys, we just to give you the full context of Scripture, he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Guys, what this practically will look like in your life, and ladies, what you need to be looking for are, are these P's. Number one, is he capable of being the pastor of your home? Guys, you are called to be the pastor of your home. And bullet points underneath that are two more Ps, the prophet and the priest. Which mean that you are responsible for teaching and instructing your family in the word of God. Not only to your wife, but also to your children. Ephesians 6.4, Paul is going to go on and say that, Fathers, you are responsible for the instruction of your children. That does not mean your private Christian school is responsible for the instruction of your children. That does not mean your church is responsible for the instruction of your children, or its Sunday school teachers, or its RA leaders, or its youth leaders. 
I will just tell you, one of the biggest issues in the church today is that as parents, we have just offloaded all the teaching and instruction in the Word of God to the church and because men have not taken on this responsibility themselves. You need to know, guys, you will answer to God for that if you decide to offload your responsibility to any other person. Because God holds you personally responsible to instruct your wife and to instruct your children in the ways of God. It is your responsibility primarily. Those other entities can help, but first and foremost, the buck stops with you. So ladies, you got to ask, is this man capable of instructing me in the word of God and in instructing my children? And also, you are called to be a priest, which means you love, you shepherd, and you, and you care for. You bind them up when they are broken and in need. Along with being the pastor of your home, with the subheadings of prophet and priest, you are called to be a protector in your home. You are called to be protector physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. You are called to look after your wife and your children. So many men let so many things into their homes that are destroying families from the inside out. Because they're lazy, because they're selfish, because they're, they're more worried about their own me time and how tired they are. Let, 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 me just say, let, me say, let me just say to you, if you cannot deal with being tired every day for the rest of your life, do not get married and do not have children. Like, it, it, is, it is, somewhere it has become so insane that men think, I'm going to get married, I'm going to go to work, and then I am going to come home and sit on this large blob of fat that God has given me. And I'm going to turn on the TV, and I'm going to get on the computer, and I'm going to do what I want. And, 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 listen, and listen, I mean, li listen, ladies, this is one of those things you're, you're looking for. Like, you need to be asking these questions like, hey, once we get married, like, and you come home, what do you plan on doing with your time? And if it's playing video games and watching sports and all these things, there's a time and a place for that. But if that's the primary pattern of their life, that is not a man who, who is going to, let me, let's put it this way. You know, in dating, we always put our best foot forward. If his best foot is not loving you the way he should before you get married, I'm debating whether to cuss right now or not and say, I'll say, he dang sure ain't going to do it. Um, he dang sure ain't going to do it once you get married. Because... I could preach about this all day long. I'm going to say this. I'm going to give you a little nugget. Men never change. Men never change. Outside the power of the Holy Spirit, men do not change. And one of the things he talks about in this book, the number one thing that a man looks for in a woman is one who will not change him. That is the number one thing men look for in a woman. It's not beauty. It's not anything else. It is, will she leave me alone and not try to change me? Now, let me say something on the other side. You may have heard from your friends or somewhere in culture at one point in time 
that to guys, they'll say, what? One woman for the rest of your life? Like, how could you be with just one woman? How could you have just sex with one woman? That's just boring. And da 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 Guys, let me say something to you. She will change every six months for the rest of your life. I've been married 15 years to 30 different women. It's true, isn't it? See? It's true. It's true. Marriage changes them. Every baby changes them. Menopause changes them. We're not there yet. We're not there. We're not saying. Just saying. You can say, oh gosh, all you want, but I'm telling you, like, again, people don't expect that. They're like, hey, I married this woman. This is what I. No, 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 no. So, guys, you don't want to be changed. You don't want her to change. She's going to change every six months. Ladies, you want to change. He doesn't want to change. So, guess who you really need in the midst of your marriage? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And that's why at the end of the day, you, you, you have got to see, will, will both people, because it's not so much wives submit to your husbands, but it is, are both of you submitting to Jesus Christ? Because if both people are pursuing and submitting and surrendering to Jesus Christ and to the work of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to worry about it. Because you know at the end of the day, even if they're a poo-poo head for a while, or you're a poo-poo head for a while, that at the end of the day, you're both going to come to your senses to the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to surrender and submit to the Holy Spirit in those moments. And so, so guys, bring it back around. That was my rabbit trail. I allow myself one per sermon. You are responsible for the protection of your wife and of your children. You are setting the example to your boys of what a man should be, how a man should love in his home, and you are showing a girl what, how daddy should love her. Man, I, I want another rabbit trail, but I'm going to stop. Guys, you are also responsible, along with being pastor, protector, to also be a provider in your home. Okay? Does this mean you have to be the sole provider in your home? No. But do you have to be a provider in your home? Do you have to financially provide? Yes, you have to financially provide for your family. This is God's call to you in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. All right? You have to see it. It's there. Pastor, protector, provider. Guys, what are you doing to actually prepare yourself now to be the pastor, protector, and provider you need to be and to continue to grow to be as you are thinking about and considering this thing called marriage? Ladies, is the guy you are considering pastor, protector, provider? Now, this question usually comes up, well, what about if the guy I'm currently married to is not that guy. Um, <clears throat> come talk to one of the pastors, and we'll help you. Because it's a big, big box to open up this morning. I would say pray for him. Get him around other men. The best thing you can do for another man is to get him around another man. 
to get around other men who will take him out behind the woodshed and kick him in the butt when he needs it. For some reason, men don't respond well when women do that. But when other guys do that to them, a light bulb seems to go off, and they're like, hey, I kind of enjoyed that. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Um, <laughs> just kind of how we work. Um, and that's what's hard. And, and I want to say, and I'll, I'll conclude with the final verse, because I think this is very important, and again, most people miss it, is if you, if you want to know the fuel for an incredibly happy and healthy marriage, Paul lays it out right here in the last verse of Ephesians 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Guys, you know, your responsibility is is for your wife to flourish and to bloom and for there to be continual fruit on the vine. There is nothing more sad in all the world than a bride who was bright-eyed going into marriage, seeing the life literally snuffed out of her soul because her husband has not loved her the way Christ has called him to. Having sat across many, many wives in this situation. There is nothing more sad than that. Guys, if you want your wife to flourish, if you want to become her to become a, a continual woman of beauty and, and joy, and for her to become everything that God created her to be, you must love her. That is her fuel. You saying no to everyone and everything else and putting her first and loving her and sacrificing for her and loving her as Christ loved the church. Ladies, if you want to have a marriage where a man flourishes, where a man puffs out his chest and walks around proud and his buddies can't say anything to him to distract him, then, and bring him down, then you must respect your husband even when he doesn't deserve it. Uh, your words mean more to him than anything. This is where it's okay to lie to your husband and tell him he's better looking than he is. To tell him he's stronger than he is. To stroke his ego how, however you can. Because that respect, your words, your words of respect to him fuel him and you you need to understand in these passages to submit to love to love and respect there's not one single conditional clause it's not a you do this if the other person is holding up their end of the responsibility it's nope if you're in it this is the responsibility you have taken on yourself in spite of the other person's reaction. Their reactions don't matter. Their reactions make yours a whole lot easier. They make it a whole lot more joyful. But what you're agreeing to is this structure and this mode of operation in submission and love and respect toward one another. I could truly go on for hours and hours and hours about this subject, one of my favorite subjects. Um, but I'm just going to go ahead and invite the band back up.
and we are going to uh, we're going to enter in a time of communion. We're not going to do a typical response time, uh, a response time today where we um, where where we pray over you because um, we're going to do the Q and A. So if there's questions, um, you can ask them there. If you want prayer, we can talk about it um, there. Um, I'd rather be a little more personal, one-on-one, take the, take the time that we need to, um, to be able to do this. Um, but, but I am going to pray over marriages and future marriages that, um, that many of you will one day have. So when I'm done praying, um, Josh will then lead us through our time of communion. Father, I thank you for this. Um, I thank you for this opportunity to speak about one of the most beautiful things in the entire world, one of the most mysterious things in the entire world, marriage. So often we make it about the wedding. The wedding is the pinnacle event of our life. But it's just one day. Marriage is intended to be a lifetime. Father, I pray that each and every week as we move through this life here at Aletheia Church and emphasize the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, that you would bring this sermon continually to bear in our minds that marriage is a picture of the gospel. That when we are, when people are thinking about getting married, they would look through the lens of the gospel and of Jesus Christ first. God, I pray that you would help us to see that the gospel is our picture of marriage. And that when we consider someone to get married to, we need to see Christ and the church. That's why theology matters. That's why understanding your word matters and reading your word matters. Because it seeps into every area of our lives and affects everything. Father, I pray that you would raise up men, that every man that is here and every man that will come to Aletheia Church will be a man who loves his wife as Christ loves the church. May they take on that mantle. May they understand the great and amazing calling that is to bear the title of husband and to agree to lay down their lives for their wife as Christ loves the church. Father, for the women, may they understand that that they are the bride, but they're not just the bride on their wedding day, but they are the bride for all of their marriage, And, and they in this relationship represent the church as it submits to and respects and honors Christ, the head. As they submit to and respect and follow the leading of their own husbands. Father, I pray that each and every marriage that stems from this church would be salt and light in the world. For this is one of the areas that we can make a massive difference in the world. When our friends' lives start falling apart, when their marriages start falling apart, that instead of saying, well, hey, go read this book. Here's this self-help thing. Communicate more. 
go get into counseling that we would say listen we have better hope than all that because this thing you're struggling with it, it is a picture of Christ in the church and we would explain to them and show them the beauty of Christ and the church and the gospel and we'd say if you truly want your marriage to be one uh, that is beautiful and flourishing then come to Christ and become a part of the church God, may we see that Christ and the church is the fuel for our marriage to make it everything you want it to.